Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. We're so happy that you're here with us today. I'm Leon Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm a writer. I'm a producer. And I I finished one book this week. So woo for me. Yay. Finished writing it, not just <laughs> writing it. Right. Oh, because right. yeah, you read about a hundred books a week. <laughs> yeah. So well, that's actually a slow week for you. Sister. <laughs> All right. That's right. Finish writing one book. Uh, but today our question of the week is what is your Super Bowl guilty pleasure? Jewel. Okay, this is Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. I'm a podcaster, the oldest sister, and this is really easy. It's a giant plate of nachos. Okay, oh. I never eat nachos, never order them, but oh yeah, Super Bowl time, I'm going to make a giant platter, supreme, put just load everything on it. Yep, <laughs> yep, that's what's going to be happening this Sunday in my house. Liz? I'm Liz Dolan. I'm in Santa, Mon- Santa Monica. I'm a podcaster and a marketer, and I got to say, pretty easy when you pose that question. Pigs in a blanket. It's oh, wow. Like, Ooh. like Ooh. nice, hot, crispy pigs in a blanket with like good, strong mustard. You cannot beat that. But once a year is probably enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Do you make uh, your own list? No, no. The good thing about pigs in a blanket is even like cheap frozen pigs in a blanket <laughs> are delicious. You know, it's, you're it, right about that, sister. You can get yeah. your bottom of the line pigs in a blanket and they are still good. That's what I recommend. <laughs> All right. Well, for me, it's the spinach artichoke dip. So I, I, you know, I make it a lot because I enjoy it, but I make a healthy version most of the time, you know, with a little bit of non-fat Greek yogurt, but not Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday, I'll go for the full fat version. And that to me is the most delicious food on earth, uh, spinach and artichoke dip. So, oh, wow. We are really looking forward to the Super Bowl this week. We, I don't know who's playing. No, we do, of course. <laughs> but uh, sounds like it's going to be a good week. Of course, we always love talking about Super Bowl food. So we'll be uh, putting a p- bunch of prompts on our Facebook group page uh, all throughout the week. You can let us know what you are making, what your guilty pleasure is. Um, Today on the show, we're really looking forward to talking to Kim Fay. She's an author of one of my favorite books from last year, Love and Saffron. And it's a beautiful story about food and friendship and writing. The book comes out in paperback today. And we're actually going to talk to her about the lost art of letter writing and how we can use letter writing to sort of spark our friendships, which is a nice thought. Also, Julie, you're bringing us some good news, bad news on aging. Aging. I have some positive thoughts, things that are really going to like encourage you. And then I have some just bummer news. That's it. That's it. That's all I can say. But we're going to do it. We're going to do it both. (laughs) All right, Liz, you have a shout out to some Satellite Sisters of the Week. Yes, there are three women that are really helping make the Super Bowl happen, Leanne. So Satellite Sisters of the Week are Super Bowl sisters. All right. And Dory Ellen wrote an incredible review of the Grammys on our Facebook page. So we're going to let her review the Grammys. I'm going to read her review later on in the show. Okay. Well, hey, can we start the show with a travel tip? You know, sisters, I recently took a hiking trip to Chile, which required multiple planes. I had to change airlines in order to get to the Lake District of Chile. But this this time, because we were do, we were checking a bag, which I always try to avoid, but we were definitely checking bags. We purchased some of those Apple Air Tags. Do you have those? No, I do not. But I keep reading about them. What was your experience? With okay, that? well, you put them in your su- uh, suitcase, or you could put it in your purse, or you could attach it to your keychain, Leanne. 
And things are never lost again because you can have an app and you can actually see where it is. So we all know what it's like to be in baggage claim. We know the despair. We know that that absolute crushing self-pity you feel yes. when you the are the last feeling when the carousel yeah. is when like you are the last out. person on your flight, everybody else is left, and that carousel is going around and your bag is not there. Well, lo and behold, with these Apple Air tags, you know, like we could see that our bag was, you know, was in a, some luggage card. It wasn't on the baggage claim yet, but it was in Santiago. Now, I don't know how we would have felt if our, if our bags were still in Miami versus right. Chicago, you know, <laughs> if you could see that. That may, may be a different sensation, but it's like it's like a whole new experience in baggage claim. You have so much more confidence. Like, okay, your bag isn't out, but no worries, you know, it's here. You can see it. It's in the airport and the chances that you're going to get it are pretty high. So I think, you know, that is a real benefit. I, I can, and I would do it again. Anytime I had to check a bag, I would definitely use uh, these air tags, but they're controversial. And I'm sure there, there's been a lot of news about these air tags because uh, unfortunately people have used them for stalking that they have, uh -oh. you know, they, they have, they have a case where um, a sports illustrated model found that she had one in her coat pocket after visiting a bar in New York. You know, mm, and now Apple, it is really scary. And a number of women have filed lawsuits against Apple because they don't feel like they have enough security in place. For example, if for um, that you are alerted, if you have an Apple phone, an Apple device, you're alerted if there's an AirTag near you, if even if it's not your AirTag. So you would have some sense that like it's in your car, you know, or, you know, it's uh, in your purse or in your coat. But if you have an Android device, you don't get those alerts. Oh, Yeah. See, okay. so that so there have been a number of cases about this. I mean, it is still it's new technology. This came out about two years ago. They've had a number of of cases where people have been using that for that. Here's the other caution, and there was a story recently in the Wall Street Journal about these about these air tags because they're relatively small. They're about a little larger than the size of a quarter. Mm -hmm. And uh, so some people have been putting putting them on their dog's collars. So, <laughs> so you know, they would know yeah. where their dog is, right? right? They can track, their dog runs away, they can track the dog. Seems smart. But here's the thing, that the dogs are either eating them off the collar or they're, you know, or people leave the air tags around in the house. And so they've had occasions where, where like, you know, people have heard the air tag beep but they couldn't figure out where it was. And then they realized it was in, you know, Snoopy's belly, you know, <laughs> like the dog had swallowed. Dogs will eat anything. I know they will. I know. I mean, so let dogs, let alone children, because these are relatively yes. small, but for luggage, I, I think it's a great thing. Or if you have problems with keys, I think that you may really enjoy this because you'll, things will never be lost again. So. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's my little travel tip. Get okay. some air tips. Well, that's interesting, Julie, because it kind of leads to my question about what level of worry is too much? You know, I was I was worrying about this. <laughs> Were you? Were you worried? <laughs> I know I have said before that I feel like sometimes I'm a ruminator. I toss things over and over again in my head. And at the beginning of the year, Julie, when you were setting your goals for the year, you said you wanted to worry less, right? I wanted to relax and enjoy. That's my theme for uh, 2023. Okay. So that involves less worry. So I saw two articles about this. Uh, one was in the New York Times and the other one was online at Healthline. I put links to both in our show notes and it's how to stop ruminating. Stuck in a mental loop of worries and problems that seem to have no end? Here's what you can do. Yes. They're oh, actually okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to write these down. Yeah, I'm actually going to pay attention to the podcast now. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, the first thing you need to do, don't be too hard on yourself. The first thing you need to do is how to tell if your thought patterns have transitioned from just regular overthinking to rumination. 
right? Maybe uh-huh. I'm just an overthinker. That would that, that seems like right up my alley. Yes, overthinking, overthinking <laughs> yes. rather than ruminating. Yes, yes, Liz. Yes. <laughs> so it says that everyone has the capacity to overthink, but a sign of trouble is if your thoughts become so persistent that they're like a car without brakes. This one doctor said. So I don't know if I'm over that line. I think. Yeah. I, wow. That sounds really. Yeah, that sounds extreme. That's exhausting. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, Another potential sign of rumination is if you're overthinking issues that lack a solution, like too late to do anything about it. You just got to move on. They said like replaying an awkward conversation from a party in your head. That's totally normal. But if you let that go on, like, oh, why did I say that? Or why did he say that? That's not good. So you're overthinking it if you're thinking won't change any outcomes from the past, right? Yeah. Well, I think that that's a good suggestion because that would eliminate like a whole range of things that you think about, worry about, ruminate about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because they said, so here's a surprise. Women tend to ruminate more than men. It's not surprising at all. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the reason women tend to uh, ruminate more than men, really anyone who ruminates, it's people who are either prone to perfectionism or insecurity. So I think both of those things, you know, a lot of women struggle with those things. Mm -hmm. So we are more likely to ruminate than men. And maybe we're just too much of a perfectionist. And when something goes wrong, we just need to just let it go. Let it go. You want to know how to let it go? They have some tips for that. Okay. (laughs) Number this seems obvious. Number one is divert your attention. If you're thinking about something that is just not constructive, you can't change it. It's just the car without the brakes. Uh they suggest the obvious things. Divert your attention, walk the dog, read a book, watch a movie. The last one on the list was do chores. I'm not doing that. It's not gonna help. Because rumination prolongs negative moods while distraction mitigates them. So in mindfulness, neither helped nor worsened their moods. So just hmm. focusing on it, no, that's not going to help. So oh. just, just walk the dog. I, I think that's why dogs are so useful to people. Uh, but they said <laughs> listening to music or focusing intently on the words or tune, that can really help. Another thing is uh, avoid your triggers. Now. I don't, I didn't know what my triggers would be because I don't know. I just sort of, it's more like I'm having trouble making decisions about things than I am actually ruminating. Anyway, here's one for you, Leanne. If watching a Hallmark movie brings up overwhelming mm-hmm. memories of the loss of a family member, turn off the movie. Okay. <laughs> just, uh, turn it off. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Turn off the movie. Right. So Hallmark could be a trigger for you, you know, <laughs> okay. and then. Almost all of the other triggers they have on this list involve the internet. <laughs> oh, okay. So, okay, turn off the internet. Yeah, turn off the step, internet. Step all away. The, step all, away. Or, yeah, or what they say is use the mute, block, and unfollow functions very liberally or avoid the internet altogether. So, okay, that seems obvious. Okay, here are two more. Quick. Number one, set a worry timer. <laughs> Now I feel like Sheila doing tips to clip. So <laughs> worry timer. Uh, this seems this, this is, is like on your watch. This is not going to work. No, you're no. just going to be watching that time the whole yeah. time. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's going to really just heighten the anxiety. Yes. That's not going to yes. work at all. Yeah, they're on. suggesting set aside 10 to 30 minutes of dedicated worry or rumination time periodically. I don't buy that for one second. Do either of you think that would work? No. no. Okay. And, or add an activity like writing in your journal. Mm, I have never found that to be cathartic. That just seems to take me deeper down the hole. So I'm I'm not doing that. Um, (laughs) Then they suggest immerse yourself in the moment. And they say, just think about what do you see in front of you? What's the temperature in the room? Is there anything you can smell in the air? So this is like, a body scan that you would do in yoga or meditation or something. That seems, that seems like a good idea just to Mm -hmm. like really sort of physically feeling right now. So obviously serious rumination, they say 
really might need therapy because it could be related to severe OCD. But um, but otherwise, just trying to like distract yourself, uh, stop unproductive thinking. It, it all made me think that maybe maybe I'm not a ruminator. This is what I've been ruminating about lately. <laughs> this is said, well, I, I don't see you as like a car without brakes. Liz. Right. That's, no. I, that, I think if that's the definition, then yeah. uh, I think you're still in the safe zone. As we yeah. yeah, I'm an overthinker. And usually I'm overthinking things I have to make decisions about, you know, mm-hmm. and here's here's one thing I have figured out. Um, and usually those decisions are really trivial things I'm supposed to be deciding, like, when should I go work out today? Or, you know, just like, I just allow myself to toss those over and over in my, uh, in my brain. So here's one last tip I'm going to give you at the end of the day, spending time thinking about issues or ideas is not always unhealthy. This doctor says in some cases, ruminating with a friend can foster a closer bond. So that's it. So take all of your worries, (laughs) worries, express them to a friend. And I think most times you do they help you realize like, this is not really worth your time worrying about. It's not that they trivialize your issues, but they can add some perspective. Like, seriously, this is what you're spending your time on. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, go take a walk or call, you know, call your satellite sister, take a walk with your your satellite sister or listen to a podcast or something. Anyway, that's what I've been ruminating about lately. It's rumination. (laughs) And that's what I have. Some things that would work, some things I doubt. That is my report. Okay. Well, I want to cheer you both up, okay, so that you will stop ruminating. I, uh, Liz, thanks to you, this will be posted uh, um, at Satellite Sisters. Um, but this is this was a recent interview that was in the oldest magazine. I have not heard of this, but my friend sent it to me. And it was an interview with a cancer doctor, Robin Schoenthaler. And she is on the faculty at Harvard, and she worked for uh, in as a cancer doctor at Mass General for over 30 years, but she's also an award-winning storyteller. How about that? Hmm. But she was being interviewed about aging, getting older, which is something a lot of people ruminate about. Um, And she just had some very inspirational things to say. She's 68 and a half years old, and she's very proud of that. Um, But she also said her her sort of perspective on aging is that when someone says to her that she, they're so bummed because they're turning 50, she wants to uh, to jump on her cancer uh, clinic soapbox and say, let me tell you about all the people I worked with over so many years who begged me to help them get to the age of 50. You know, right. Right. I mean that. I mean, Lee and I know because right. you have been through cancer. I know that you embrace this, and you know, and you're always happy, as you say, happy to be here. You know, but I just thought this was a very important thing to you know write said every single day when you think about you know uh, th- you know the things, not the hardships, but the process of getting older. You know, she said you can do all the right things, taking care of your lungs, your hearts and your liver, your heart and your liver, but you still become a prisoner to your joints. Okay. <laughs> which, uh, which was, oh, amen. Which yeah. was sort of funny, uh, but it's a good article. But, you know, she also said, I try to find a way to enjoy myself every day. Every good day is a gift. And I, when I read that, I just took that as like, okay, that's sort of along the lines of what I'm trying to do this year is to relax and enjoy and to take every day as a gift. So this is a really good article. If you're, you know, not feeling so great about uh, your own aging process, I would recommend it. And it's, so it's good news. I'm going to pair this good news sisters with an article that I read in the New York times about how long does it take? to get fit again did you read this did you no. see you know, the headline oh. Like, oh i am not prepared to read that yet yeah you're not <laughs> i mean i mean maybe we could stop i i'll just I, I won't go too deeply into this but like the whole idea of straying from exercise and how long it takes your body to bounce back i mean it's really true that you have to use it or you're going to lose it and just how quickly the, what it was what i found interesting was that if you stop exercising for whatever reason 
that all, you know, your body is used to all that adrenaline and those endorphins. So, but when you stop, according to Dr. Kevin Stone, who was interviewed for the article, your body initiates a muscle loss program. Like your body just oh goes God. to work. Oh, it goes to so work. I know, I know. We're not going to read anymore. But the, uh, so it's just, it's not good news. Okay. But they had a couple of tips, which is if you're trying to get back on the wagon, trying to get some exercise, they say, hey, try with exercise snacks. Doesn't that sound appealing? Mm. <laughs> just exercise yeah. snacks. Don't eat anything, but try with little exercises, you know, body weight exercises. Start there. Start going up and down the stairs again. Do a little interval training. Don't try to like, you know, go back to it hardcore all at once. So exercise snacks, I liked. And <laughs> okay. Yes. And that uh that for older adults that in one study, they needed less than eight weeks of retraining to get back to their, you know, their good physical fitness. So it may be, you know, it may be. That's actually get, much better than I thought. I thought it would take months. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, that's if you're younger and you were fit, then it takes you a really, really long time. You 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 regain half of your fitness, Liz, oh. if you are doing 10 to 14 days of moderately hard workouts. Okay. okay. That sounds terrible. So we're never <laughs> going to do that. So go with the exercise snacks. Remember to see each day as a gift and okay. just, you know, take it all in good news, bad news, but it, it's, it's news. All right. Up next on Satellite Sisters, we're talking to writer Kim Fay. Her new book, Love and Saffron, is out in paperback today. And it's a beautiful story of food and friendship told in letters. Uh, I can't wait to talk to Kim. Stay with us. Liz, summer is coming up and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling sure. there yes. with your with your butcher box. What, what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in, in Bend for a part of the summer, yeah. I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's I mean, great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what, uh, what, what I'm recommending. Yeah, by the way, you're just going to buy <laughs> meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, you, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. ButcherBox gives you peace of mind and easy to find high quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. No antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> nice to have something familiar there. <laughs> yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we, we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life. Aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. <laughs> in no their kidding. skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils. I love it all. That duo they have going. Oh. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. 
Liz, the Mega Moisture Duo. Yeah. You can you can literally see your skin get firmer, and it just delivers <laughs> this full body glow. Okay, you know we have raved about the Andaria Algae Body Oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria Collagen Body Oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz. A youthful yeah. glow is going to happen, <laughs> and it's so infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed. So it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself (laughs) because you're worth it. (laughs) That's that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code Sad Sisters. So this is it. This is a win-win-win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to OseaMalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. We're so happy to welcome to Satellite Sisters, Kim Fay. Kim is a writer. She wrote one of my favorite books from 2022, Love and Saffron. I had the opportunity to read this book in advance. I didn't know Kim at the time. I hadn't met her. We had mutual friends. And I finished this book, A Sobbing Mess, uh, which is pretty unusual for me. It's a book about food, love, friendship. It's just wonderful. It's out in paperback today. So we're happy to welcome Kim to Satellite Sisters to Tell us a little bit about her book and how letter writing can help you keep up your friendships. Hey, Kim, welcome to Satellite Sisters. Hi, Leanne and Liz and Julie. (laughs) Thank Thank you for having me. I loved your book so much. Oh, thank you. So, Kim, your book is about sort of the unlikely friendship between two women who are different generations uh, and they both love food. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about the women and, and, and your inspiration for them? Okay. Sure. I mean, this is a book that was all inspiration. Um, just in short, there are two main characters and they are the heart of the whole book. We have 27-year-old Joan, who's a budding food writer down in Los Angeles. And then we have 59-year-old Imogen, who's a magazine columnist up in the Pacific Northwest. And this is set in the early 1960s. And Joan sends a fan letter to Imogen, which sparks their friendship. Um, but when you ask about inspiration, there's, this book is all about the friendships that I have experienced in a variety of different ways from the structure of the book itself being influenced by my 30 year correspondence with my friend, Janet Brown, to the young character, Joan being directly inspired by the food life, um, of the pioneering LA food writer, Barbara Hansen. And then Imogen is also uh, inspired by my great aunt, Emma. So there is a lot of, I guess, um, truth in the friendships and in the relationships woven throughout this book that are a part of my life. Oh, that's neat. Now we're going to talk a little bit about Barbara later, but I I want to ask about the letters. I did not, I was going to ask you, are you a letter writer? And you just answered that question. (laughs) So, I mean, I'll be honest. Normally I hear like book told in letters. I'm like, oh, I'm out. This this was really beautiful. How did you start a 30-year correspondence with someone? Tell us a little bit about that and how that's impacted your your friendship. What do you think it's brought to your friendship? Uh, Definitely. So Janet and I both worked at the Elliott Bay Book Company in the 90s. and In Seattle. In Seattle. Yeah, Yeah. sorry. In Seattle. And excuse me, Um, in the mid-1990s, I went to Vietnam to teach English and she went to Thailand to teach English. And we started writing letters to one another um, from those two places. So just that alone, those letters are so filled with our new experiences and comparing what's happening. And Janet and I are two two different generations. She's a generation older than me. So we're also comparing a lot, you know, based on our own experiences. And I moved back to America. We continued writing. Um, She moved to Seattle. I moved to Los Angeles. She moved back to Asia. And eventually our 
um, handwritten letters turned to emails solely because I have a long story, but I have damage in my right hand, so I can't anymore. But even when I sit to write an email to Janet, I just don't jot off an email. I have to set my computer someplace peaceful, make myself a cup of tea, make sure I have one to two and even three hours to sit and really thoughtfully write my letter to her because she and I, she's, she's my life. I'm going to open up Love and Saffron here and read you one line. And this is a letter that the young food writer Joan writes to the older woman Imogen. And it's about halfway through the book and she says, the thing is Joan, when a new experience comes into my life, it doesn't feel real anymore until I've shared it with you. Mm-hmm. And that was a direct message mm-hmm. to my friend Janet in the book. Oh, that's really yeah. makes me, makes me tear up. Although I feel like yeah. Kim, that's setting <laughs> pretty high standards for letter writing for the rest, for the rest of us. <laughs> well, I don't meditate or do yoga okay. or oh. all those things that other people do. So this is my zen. Okay. okay. Oh. okay. <laughs> Well, yeah. you, this book has been out a year. Have people told you about their pen pals? Have you heard about other people who have these strong letter writing relationships with friends? I have received numerous, I guess you'd call them fan emails. Yeah. Um, numerous from people who've talked about their um, correspondence with a friend, a husband, a mother. Um, it just really struck a chord in I guess what I would say, the generation of people who is my generation and older, who we grew up with letter writing. Um, I opened a box of letters the other day and it was a big, a big giant packing box filled with letters from my life. And all of a sudden I was remembering friends and friendships and aspects of friendships that I'd completely forgotten. Mm -hmm. Um, They're a record and it really breaks my heart for the younger generation because that record will not exist. Right, right. I know. Well, it's this, all this, in the cloud somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Can you imagine just digging through the cloud for one of those oh-so scintillating emails? <laughs> Something a friend of mine did last winter. My friend Alyssa, mm-hmm. she was going through her old letters, and she mailed me all the ones I had written her. Wow! That was such an incredible gift. I was blown away yeah. at when I wrote it. When I read them, I was like. Can't believe I wrote all this stuff to her. Yeah. Was college and after college mm-hmm. and like your 20s, and we were still writing letters before yeah. email really kicked in. I was like, I can't believe I wrote so much about boys. I just thought, <laughs> I thought I was thinking about much bigger, better things than just boys. Oh, Leanne, I am with you on that. I was like, oh, these are embarrassing. Where's my wise words? Where, where is my intellectual, you know, whatever? But yeah. No, it's, it, but that's the thing too. I'd forgotten, you know, just, I opened one and it was my college roommate and she was writing about how she um, had to stay home when she had her first daughter, when her, she had her daughter and they lived out in the country and she was learning to discover the beauty of nature. And I thought we talked about that stuff back then. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, the other huge theme in the book, of course, is food and yes. it connects these two women. Um, yes. But why do you think food connects women in particular? Because we see that on Satellite Sisters, like the mm-hmm. liveliest discussions we have in our Facebook group are, are recipes. You know, it's not super complicated. Yeah. People want to share those recipes, help us improve our own cooking. Why yeah. do you think food connects women? Because you spent a lot of your life writing and thinking about yes. food. Yes. Yeah. So that's part of your professional resume as mm-hmm. well as just your personal interest. What do you think it is? It's interesting. I've not had this question yet. So oh. this is an interesting mm-hmm. one, but I would, I would think that it's because, you know, when it comes to the home, women do the cooking. Right. And it's still mostly that way. And the people who cooked for us when we were young were women. You know, I associate, you know, not just my mom making our meals, but my aunts, my great aunts, my grandmas. Um, I can remember, you know, women cook for each other as a way. I don't know, this is going to sound really odd, but to court each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can remember when I was getting to know my my best friend, Beth, at the bookstore and I really wanted to make her a meal and I was really nervous about it. And it's funny because it almost takes on that, you know, that 
that first date quality, but we, but we, we spend a lot of time using our hands to feed the ones we love and we are connected to them in that way. Um, that's my best <laughs> off the yeah. cuff answer. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. No, I totally, <laughs> it's true. Like I, well, if you, and if you are someone who is a, is a cook, I wouldn't mm-hmm. even say a chef, like when you find somebody else who sort of shares that interest, that that is a that that's like a joining point for a friendship, mm-hmm. you know, it, I think it yeah. really is. It's it an really is. And it's also, you know, I found, I mean, and this isn't necessarily women, but when I first started traveling, you know, no matter where I was, even if I didn't speak a lick of the language in that country and the people I were with didn't speak English, we could share a meal mm-hmm. and you can communicate. You all know if you're enjoying the meal, you all know if you're not enjoying the meal, you can share a love of a dish without ever, um, you know, speaking a word. I, I have a woman, I called her my Vietnamese mother because their family kind of adopted me in Vietnam. We never spoke the same language because a, I'm super bad with languages. I used to spend hours in the kitchen with her. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we were, how we were communicating because we did not speak one another's language, but mm. we were never uncomfortable when we were in the kitchen. We were just oh. always, you know, doing our thing and working together. Well, the, the book, um, Love and Saffron is just a beautiful friendship and it's intergenerational. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things that really stuck out. It was so yeah. lovely. Um, but Joan, the character was inspired by your friendship with Barbara Hansen, a real life yes. human being. And Barbara yeah. just, she just died last week at 90 mm-hmm. years old. She was a yes. revolutionary food writer here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And, and you just did a book event with her in December. Mm-hmm. So I, I just want to say, first of all, I'm sorry for thank your you. loss. Sorry. Thank yeah, you. She's a good friend of yours, but just tell us a little bit about Barbara, like, and how she influenced oh. you. Barbara was, I'm going to try. Barbara was a one of a kind, my story about how she, you know, I met her about 12 years ago when I had a book about Vietnamese food come out and Barbara was the first one there cheering it on. She wrote about it in a local publication. And, you know, the one thing I've learned since her passing is that my story is one of not just dozens, but hundreds and hundreds of stories of the people she inspired. She had a curiosity unlike anyone I've ever met. And her love of food that was so unpretentious, she just adored ingredients. And the chef could be at the little tiniest hole in the wall in the little most unassuming place in the city. And that person was the only thing Barbara was thinking about. Mm -hmm. And she was so admiring and respectful of the people who made any kind of dish. And the, you know, there are a lot of food people out there now, but people, what, what, what pe- foodies don't realize is that Barbara Hansen was the real deal. She was the first, she was doing this in the fifties, the sixties. She was doing it before the big names came along. She was seeking out corners of the city and writing about Ethiopian food and Nicaraguan food and Colombian food and all of these different cuisines that most everyday Americans had never even heard of. And she, she, she wanted to get to the bottom of every dish. And (laughs) it's, it's, as you said, you know, she passed away at a venerable age and two to three days before that she was out at a food event. And then she Mm. wrote about it on her Instagram. She was still out regularly two, three nights a week seeking out, you know, right at the end of the year, we were emailing, she goes, oh, I'm on my way to Little Arabia. And I was like, what's, what, what, where, huh? And she would have stories about how she would go to an Indian restaurant. And the next thing you knew, she was being invited into their home, to wow. go home with them and have a meal. And there, I mean, the celebration of her life just over this past week has been absolutely incredible. I don't think there was or will be another person like her. What a special friend. What a special friend to have in your life. She was just something else. And she was such a champion of love and saffron because obviously (laughs) if she didn't like 
certificate, it wouldn't have been published because I would never have done that. Um, and I do have to, I want to throw this disclaimer that we'd realized should have been in the book at some point. The food, the food is all about Barbara. The personal story is not Barbara's. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> she said to me, she goes, I have had a lot of personal questions since your book came out. <laughs> Well, that's how it works with, with fiction, right? When yes. someone influences you, yes. but then they have to morph into something that serves mm. the story, but that doesn't mean somewhere in there, yeah. there's, a, there's a nugget or two of truth or, or there's this, the spirit of her. Her nephew told me, he said, I had a really hard time when I read it, forgetting that some of these things didn't happen to her. Huh. No. Well, that's captured a, that's the a spirit of her. It was a, it was a really sweet compliment. Hey, Kim, this is Julie. Yes. You've set Hi, the Julie. book. Hi, you <laughs> set the book in the 60s, which yes. I loved uh, because I was I was around. I was young in the <laughs> 60s. But uh, was, why did you why did you do that? Um, I think, well, one of the main reasons was because since I knew that the book was um, based on Barbara, that that was the, that fit into the time period of her life and the beginning mm-hmm. of her food career. But I wanted to pick the part of the 60s that had not um, just become so radically changed. Mm-hmm. I wanted that pre-period where things were, you know, I mean, we had the feminine mystique, things were starting to germinate, but the big changes hadn't come yet. And I wanted to put these two women in that place so that they could grow more on their own without so much of the more, um, you know, national public influences mm-hmm. that were happening in the later 60s. Mm-hmm. I, I loved reading your book because it made me think about like, you know, first of all, like just as you were saying that Barbara was so, you know, uh, really into all the, you know, ex- how we, you know, Mexican food or French mm-hmm. food or mm-hmm. international flavors. Yeah. And reflecting on my own, ch- our own childhood about how, how American taste um, really evolved during the 60s in terms of introduction to cuisines that we didn't know about, but we learned about it. And Mm -hmm. our mom was a wonderful cook and she took French cooking lessons and, you know, was always doing that. And and I remember I was telling Leon and Liz the other day, I remember the first time we had stir fry, you know, we (laughs) never had that. So exotic. You know, but, but we, you know, we all embraced it. My yes. mom learned how to cook, how to, how to chop the frozen meat. She, she, you know, she oh, golly. really, um, you know, did yeah. that. But so I think your book sort of captured that spirit and that excitement mm-hmm. that for a lot of Americans, they were just figuring out about all these wonderful cuisines that mm-hmm. were out there. Now we're so spoiled and especially living in Los Angeles. I mean, is there a cuisine? I drove past a Borneo restaurant the other day. You know, is there a cuisine that doesn't, you know, that isn't represented in this city? Yeah, probably, probably not. I would, I would guess not. I would guess not. Well, it is a wonderful book. It's, um, we're, it's Valentine's Day, Valentine's yes. Day, Valentine's yes. Day. It's a book I've been recommending to people for a year, but particularly like a great gift book for a friend if you just yes, want to share a special moment with them. So I'm wondering, Kim, uh, I know, do you have do you have any special plans for Valentine's Day? Do you do anything <laughs> special? More letter writing? Just a just a frenzy <laughs> of letter writing? My my husband and I keep it pretty quiet on Valentine's <laughs> Day. Um, I think we're we like to. Uh, this is going to sound super cheesy, but we like to celebrate every day. And so it's, you know, we like to try and make, make time special, you know, every a little just something we were just, how do you know that we were just talking about that earlier really in the show yes you didn't even hear us saying that no to i did not hear yeah. you say that him that is the theme of today's show oh well fantastic we have we have a little rituals like if somebody shouts dance party you just have to stop and start dancing uh things like that so I'm trying to imagine my husband ever once in his life shouting <laughs> dance party. <laughs> we'll give it a shot. See what happens. <laughs> Can I ask one last question before yes. we finish? Because one of the things I loved about the book that I've been thinking about a lot is um, they each share an important secret with the other. Yes. Uh, and I'm wondering if you think, is that easier to do in writing? Is that like, if you have something really important to tell someone, do you think it's 
easier to put it in a letter or even an email than to like have the big conversation and divulge this thing that you've been holding very close? Yes, I do. I mean, I find, well, obviously, you know, when we were younger, we, if we broke up with a boyfriend, it was always by letter or note, you know, yeah. but, um, but it's, there's something about kind of that intimacy with yourself when you're writing a letter and yet the other person is still there with you. I don't know why it generates yeah. that. Um, you know, I, I noticed that in a lot of the letters and it wasn't necessarily, uh, people telling me like deep secrets in some of these letters, but the way that they wrote what they were thinking was different than how our conversation would have been. And I think yeah. there's an opportunity to go a little bit deeper into your own thoughts. I agree. That, yeah. yeah. And yeah. also I was thinking that maybe it's because you can get your own thoughts exactly right, but also you're not getting an instant reaction the way you would in a conversation. This is true. You're not you responding just, to a facial expression yes, or you just put yeah, it out there like and send it off. And it's exactly what you want. Yeah. And you don't have to immediately deal with the feedback. And anyway, it's yeah. one of the things I really loved about, oh, thank about you. the book. Thank you. Well, Kim, it was wonderful talking to you. Congratulations oh, on the paperback. Thank you so much. The book I is love-, love and Saffron. It's out now. It's out okay. now. Thanks, Kim. Thank you, Sadler Sisters. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm-hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz. My hair from Pros is getting reviews. Leanne, I am not surprised. You have been on that pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Lee and Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair's really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you're the boss. I'll take it. (laughs) You tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay, and I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you; it's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty free, and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. So, pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. We're back. Thanks for staying with Satellite Sisters. Thanks for listening to the show. We always appreciate that. And you know what else we appreciate? We appreciate when you support the sponsors who support us. It does make it possible for us to do this show week in and week out. Uh, We love our sponsors. We take a lot of time picking them, vetting them. We make sure they're products that we like, that we think you'll like. And so we really, really appreciate when you use all these special URLs and these codes. I know it takes an extra effort, but it really does make a difference. If you're thinking, okay, Leanne, I would love, love, love to get the base luggage. Where can I go? You know, right here, if you're listening right now in the notes, there are links to the sponsors with the special URLs. We also do a blog post at satellitesisters.com for every podcast episode where we clearly have the links and any of the codes you need. We drop them into the pep talk newsletter every week that there's a show and that newsletter comes out. The links are there. So we know it can be 
be confusing. You're driving. You can't remember what's the code. All the codes are slightly different. That's not our choice, people. It just happens. <laughs> um, how do you spell satellite? We don't know either. So, uh, so the easiest thing to do is just look at the notes, look at the show notes, look at the blog post, look at pep talk, the newsletter, the, the codes are in there, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting the sponsors who support our show. Yeah, we're always glad when we get the question, like, where can we find them? Because we want you to find them. That's why we put them all over the place. Yes, but there actually are certain things we're not allowed to do. So- I know. I know we it seems can, crazy, but when yeah. you like, like in Facebook, when you say, what is that Rothy's code again? We're actually not allowed to publish it there. Right. So that's why you need to go to the blog post is probably the easiest or pep talk. Right. But the show right. Notes. Or the show notes right there. If you're yes. whatever device you're listening to, if you can find the notes, you can link. There's a link there too. All the places we're legally allowed to do it. We put it. <laughs> That's we wish good. we could just publish them. <laughs> we don't want to be. We don't want to be criminals. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. So moving on to news of this week, I did want to name a couple of satellite sisters of the week because it's big Super Bowl week. There's a lot of Super Bowl news, and there are three women who jumped out to me who are really making the Super Bowl happen. Sisters, first of all, uh, Philadelphia Eagles coach Autumn. Lockwood. She's the fourth woman ever to coach in a Super Bowl, but she is the first Black woman to do that. She is the assistant sports performance coach for the Eagles. So yay for you, Autumn Lockwood. That is super exciting. Also with the Eagles, uh, Nicole Lynn, this was really surprising to me. She is the agent to the Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts. So uh, she makes history by becoming the first Black woman to represent an NFL quarterback in a Super Bowl. And I, I know that seems technical, but that is really a huge milestone in the business. So I just wanted to mention Nicole Lynn. And then the last one, you may have noticed at the end of last week's game, uh, Patrick Mahomes thanked Julie Frymier and said like, she's the one that really made this happen. Julie was the, Julie was the reason I was the guy on the field today. And that's because she is the, uh, the rehab coach for the, for the chiefs. Oh. So it's, so that's pretty amazing. So these are, you know, Autumn, Nicole, Julie doing the job behind the scenes at the Super Bowl, And, uh, we think that's great. So good job taking care of business, uh, in the NFL where it's not easy. Where it's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Baby steps. Baby steps, but we'll take it. Baby steps. (laughs) All right, Liz, it's time for Entertaining Sisters. And this week we're doing something unusual. We're turning over our review of the Grammys to one of our listeners uh, because Uh she posted just a very funny review of it over there on our Facebook group. So Dory Ellen, thank you for posting that. Uh, Okay, here's what Dory Ellen says about the Grammys. Liz, did you watch the Grammys? I did, yes. Yeah, I watched the Grammys. Jewel, did you? No, but you know, but you, I have the internet, so I feel like I watched the uh, the (laughs) Grammys. Yeah. All right. Well, this is what Dory Allen says. I'm a proud card carrying boomer. I was thinking about not watching the Grammys last night as more and more over the last several years, I recognize fewer and fewer artists and songs, but I was hearing and reading so much about how very special it was going to be. I settled in with a sort of, okay, show me something good attitude. And by gosh, (laughs) they sure did. Starting off with someone called Bad Bunny. Loved his music, though I found myself wondering. And then she has some words I can't say on Satellite Sisters. Just saying that his body was a bagpipe is all I'm going to say there. All right. And Dory Ellen goes on to say, they totally had me at that tribute to Barry Gordy, Smokey Robinson, and Motown. Yeah, that was great. I was that dancing. Was great. I was dancing around on my feet in my family room, and I almost made it to the end of the tribute before getting totally winded. Okay, Dory Ellen, that's okay. Randy Carlisle was great. Heard of her. Lizzo was great. Heard of her. Harry Styles was great. Heard of him. I hung in there until my Grammy carriage morphed into a pumpkin with about an hour left to go and had to admit I was done by being a long distance guest at what was a very creatively done evening, especially the in memoriam segment, which brought fresh tears at the sight of Bobby Rydell's boyish face. All in all, very happy I gave it a chance. It was terrific. All right. Great review. That's great. great. Review. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a chance. Well, Go ahead. Well yeah. done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
even if you don't know who everyone is, you're going to hear some new music that you're probably going to like. And, you know, the, the reason I always watch the Grammys, it's my favorite award show, because they do these big production numbers where you're at least going to get some great performances. I don't care about who wins the awards hardly at all. Like, it's right. great to see a few of those people up on stage, but mainly it's the performances that are so great. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad more people were watching. What'd you right. think, yeah, I liked I liked the Grammys. I thought um, there were some aspects I could have I could have done without the fans. I wasn't that into oh, the, the fan like, focus yeah. group. Yeah, boring. Yeah, yeah. In, gen- in general, a couple <laughs> things I did enjoy watching Ben Affleck's face the entire time. I mean, <laughs> yes. I just couldn't get over it. Poor it Ben. Was, Poor Ben. I feel been, like he was. I think he was. We've been up, too. Man. We've been too hard on him. Like he didn't want to be there. Okay, he did not want to be there. Uh, you know, it's hard to be sober at the Grammys. Like he did a lot. He was really trying hard, but I don't think you realize how on camera he was. Yes. Going to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I thought it was fun. I did enjoy seeing Harry Styles. I loved his number the best. I thought that was a very complicated choreography. I enjoyed his dancers. I liked it. So yeah, I thought it was fun. How about you, Liz? Well, in last week's pep talk, you put a link to a podcast we both listened to called The Town, and it was uh, Matt Bellany interviewing Ben Winston, who's the guy who produces the Grammys. And if you're interested in how complicated a production like that, I mean, just imagine the stage sets. I was thinking that stupid fan focus group stuff, they must be doing that just to buy time to set up the next set. Right. That's a good point. There's a lot going on. Anyway, can you imagine behind the scenes at the Grammys, just the people coming on, getting off, changing? There's fire, there's smoke, there's just, there's just a lot going on. So um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And it brought me back to the one time I went to the Grammys, 2017. I was there. That was the year Prince died. I was there for the Prince tribute. Oh. So, you know, takes me back. Okay. Takes me back to my man, Prince. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. It was funny to me that... Um, that Beyonce got stuck in traffic. I mean, that, <laughs> hey, that, hey, that was just yeah, very funny. Very LA. Okay. Yeah, very <laughs> LA. But again, I mean, Julie, imagine if you're Ben Winston who's yeah. running the show and like the number one star of the show isn't there yet. She won her first award before she even arrived, Julie. Well, so, I know. I know. You're, you're thinking, oh my God, what if she's really just not coming? What if she's. <laughs> Right. That must have been a moment in the control room. There might have been a little rumination, a little anxiety going on there. Yeah, for good reason. For good reason. Um, Okay. Moving on to other entertainment news that is uh, not so entertaining. I just wanted to warn everyone, the great Netflix password crackdown is coming. Mm -hmm. It's coming. So as you know, Netflix has had a pretty rocky year financially. They started losing subscribers. And so they decided to do something they said they would never do. They're cracking down on password sharing. Um, I don't, I don't share my password. Hooper has very little need for (laughs) my, uh, my Netflix password, but I was wondering if there are, if either of you are in the password sharing no business. i mean I, I that's still in the criminal category liz so i'm out okay <laughs> it's not yeah. criminal it's not actually criminal yeah it is it's not I know. no uh right. no so i mean our sons use our netflix password because we've had netflix that long i mean uh-huh. we were still getting cds until kind of recently so uh <laughs> yeah so our sons um our sons use the password. And basically the only time they communicate with me is when I change the password. So most of our text chain is, did you change the password? What is the Netflix password? Mom, what is the, what is the direct TV password? Like I changed our platform from direct TV to streaming. Oh my gosh. It's just all, all password text for about three weeks there. And if I don't change the password, I rarely hear from them. So there you go. Just, well, that's a mothering, that's a really mothering technique. That's a good tip, Leanne. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, the password crackdown may be good for you then, Lee. And I was thinking about this because one of the things they're going to institute, and they haven't announced this yet for the US, but they are testing the new rules in Chile, Costa Rica, and Peru. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this has leaked into the United States to the entertainment media. What do we think the new rules are going to be? So one of the main new rules is that you may have to renew your credentials like every month. Every 31 days, no. which, means, 
Which means everyone, everyone, even everyone. if you've been good and you haven't been sharing, you have to do wait, that. Wait, Julie, do you, uh, here's what you need to do. You just need to log in onto your home network. That is renewing, right? Okay. So, so Leon, instead of just getting texts from your sons, they might have to come over. They can- yeah, they will. <laughs> I think though, this is the old boyfriend rule. You know, this oh, is like, yes. oh, you know, I, I, I gave my uh, I gave my password to a guy I dated 15 years ago, and he's still using it. Yes. Well, he's not going to come over to your house every 31 days. Every right. now. So that's how you're going to get rid of some of that. Yes. yes. Not naming okay. any not naming any sisters, but I know that yeah. <laughs> Sheila. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So that could be good. I think a lot of people are going to have to phone home over this one and uh, stop by to uh, log on to their parents' network. The other thing is. Logging in while you're traveling, I don't even want to tell you. You're going to have to get a temporary code so that you oh. can access Netflix. So, all right, I don't want. I don't want to frighten anyone. <laughs> don't, that's, don't, that's don't. I, I've been so busy. calm. I was so positive in the show, and now you've ruined it, Liz. Okay, because you focus on the good news that the children will have to come home to log on to the home network. Okay. We'll, leave, we'll leave it at that. Well, whenever they text me with some sort of like, oh, I can, I can feel the disgust in their minds. Like I couldn't remember the password. So I had to change it. <laughs> My response to them is always, you can always get your own account. You know, <laughs> like if you don't like the way I'm managing our account, feel free, feel free. Uh, All right. That is our show for this week. A big thanks to Kim Faye for being on the show. Thanks so much to, to our sponsors, of course, and to you for supporting our sponsors. Thanks to Sergio Enriquez, our engineer. Thank you, Sergio. You know, we do this show over zoom. We're doing the best we can. Occasionally you'll hear a little zoominess in, uh, in the show, but, um, but Sergio's holding it all together for us there. Uh, from his remote location, as we are all remote. Um, We'd also like to thank Emily Loudermilk for the graphics that she does for the show. You can see Emily's work in Pep Talk, or you can see it on our Satellite Sisters Instagram at Sat Sisters. All right, our to-do list for the week. So I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I turned in my revisions. My revisions were turned in and accepted by my editor for my next book, which is The Marriage Sabbatical which comes out January in 2024, January, 2024. So you know what I have to do this week? I have to start my next, next book because seriously, yes, because I signed a two book deal again, great problem to have. Yes. But I thought all the the due dates would kind of slide because this book took a little bit longer and the pub date was moved out. No, no. I have to finish another book by June 30th. Oh Oh my gosh. Oh my God. How are you ever going to do that? You know, I'm a professional writer, Lisa. And you know, I have done a 10 page synopsis. And last night, while the rest of you were ruminating and worrying at 2 a.m., I was writing the first couple chapters of my next, next book in my head uh, at 2 a.m. So so full of admiration (laughs) that you can do that. So that's starting next Monday, next, next book uh, in the books. So you can do it. We know you can do it. That's good to do. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, here's what I've been ruminating on. I am on the horns of a dishwasher dilemma, sisters. So I started to notice about three months ago that my my glassware was just a little foggy. You know, that's Mm -hmm. the first sign, right? That's when you know. So then I thought, okay, do I need to get a new dishwasher now? And I really started worrying about it when I realized I kept seeing all those stories about how because of supply chain breakdowns, it takes a year and a half to get a dishwasher now. And I'm like, my God, I can't let my dishwasher break down. Maybe I should order a new one right now. Maybe before this one actually blows, I should order a new one. But I didn't do that. I just ruminated about it for three months. And now last week, I think we might be at the end of the road. So I, (laughs) so you call in the dishwasher repair and they, they always give you this. Well, the service call is $95, but that will be applied to your repair if you do the repair. But if you don't do the repair, it's still 95 bucks. So I thought, all right, eh, go for it. So the guy showed up, it took him like 10 minutes to say, "Mm, yeah, this is like a $400 repair. And I said, if you were me, would you actually make that repair or would you just buy a new dishwasher? He's like, hmm, yeah, I would not make that. Repair. <laughs> not make that oh, repair. I like when they are honest with yeah, you. Yeah, he was totally honest. He's like, yeah, no, because and but then I realized here's something to worry about for the future. 
I moved into this apartment, into this condo in 2007. Everything was brand new. So all of those appliances <laughs> are now about to blow. Don't you think? Yeah. 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 Think Maybe you should look for a package deal, Liz. You know, <laughs> refrigerator, Seriously. stove, dishwasher. Sometimes there's the discount. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just went to wire cutter and I'm starting the process mm -hmm. of picking my new dishwasher. So there you go. Dilemma. I'm sort of off the horns of the dilemma because now I just got to get the dishwasher. Who knows how many months it will take? That's that. Okay. Well, uh, uh, my to-do is actually also an appliance mm -hmm. situation. And I would like to give a Satellite Sister $5 shout out to the service representative on the phone at Gwenco um, Appliance Repair because I had to provide the model number and the serial number for my oven, which is a little bit on the fritz, but it required me to lie on my back on the floor and read a 10-digit serial number um, upside down. And oh. she just talked me through it. She said, I did a really good job. And, you know, don't, you know, don't worry that it takes too long, you know, a little bit to get there. We know it's you're in an uncomfortable position. She obviously knows her job well. So hats off to her. And uh, yes, I'm going to be seeing a repairman this week too, Liz. <laughs> okay. Wow. Good luck with that. <laughs> All right. That's a huge week for the Satellite Sisters. So... Julie, Liz, have a great week. You, you too, too Leanne. Don't forget, call your satellite sister. <laughs> <laughs>